This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Rick Flagg reporting from Tallahassee, where officials are preparing to assess the damage done by ELSA as it moves across the state today. We're anticipating a landfall probably between 8 a.m. and 9 a.m., somewhere again on the Nature Coast or Big Bend part of Florida. ELSA won't be a major disaster, but the governor is worried about the possibility of flooding. You're going to see a lot of rain dumped, particularly on the northern part of the state that is already saturated right now. You will see flash flooding conditions uh, in many parts of Florida as this thing moves through. And if you do end up being flooded, make sure you document it before the water begins to subside. Best thing that you can do as a homeowner is to go out and photograph that damage. Make sure you take pictures before you start cleaning up, especially if you have any type of flooding. Those pics will come in handy when it's time to file a claim with the insurance company. Some good news on the economic front. Florida's tax collections in May beat the official estimate by $574 million. Most of that increase came from sales taxes. Speaking of which, this is the final day of the sales tax holiday for live events or outdoor gear. The governor may have won the first round of his fight with the feds over cruise ships, but the battle isn't done. The Justice Department has filed a formal notice of appeal, and they're raising questions about Florida's new law banning vaccine passports. The COVID crisis took a huge financial bite out of the program that provides free and reduced prices on breakfast and lunch at Florida schools. We know that one million of our children are food insecure here in the state of Florida. That is in 2021 in a state like Florida, the third largest in the nation. It is embarrassing that we've got one million of our kids that don't know where their next meal comes from. Agriculture Commissioner Nikki Freed says the governor had federal money to fill the gaps in the school nutrition program, but chose to spend it elsewhere. So she bypassed him and got the money directly from the feds. We'll also have your calendar of political events and two Florida Man stories. One is a pro wrestler who probably should hire a chauffeur. The other is a guy who punched a 74-year-old woman at Home Depot before stabbing another associate with a screwdriver. Wrong tool for the job. And now the top stories on Sunrise for Wednesday, July 7th. This is Tell the Truth Day, World Chocolate Day, and National Strawberry Sunday Day. On this date in 1456, Joan of Arc was acquitted of heresy charges. Too bad for her it was a retrial, 25 years after she was burned at the stake. In 1865, three men and a woman were hanged for their role in the conspiracy to assassinate Abraham Lincoln. In 1928, sliced bread was sold for the first time by the Chillicothe Baking Company of Missouri. It was, they said, the best thing since wrapped bread. And on this date in 1948, the Cleveland Indians stunned Major League Baseball by signing a 42-year-old veteran from the Negro Leagues, pitcher Satchel Paige. Florida says hello to Elsa this morning. Man, with any luck, the storm would be gone by the end of the day. Governor Ron DeSantis says it will be an interesting day. You're going to see impacts all across the West Coast, uh, up the West Coast, into the morning hours. We're anticipating a landfall probably between 8 a.m. and 9 a.m., somewhere again on the Nature Coast or Big Bend part of Florida. Uh, Please heed. Uh, any type of warnings from your local officials. There have not been any widespread evacuation orders. There have been some voluntary orders in a handful of counties, and that's mostly targeted at people who have special needs, who are power dependent, or who are in very low-lying areas. If you end up with storm damage, State Emergency Management Director Kevin Guthrie says take plenty of pictures. You'll need them for the insurance claim. I would remind people if they wake up in the morning 
and they start to have damage, they see damage, the best thing that you can do as a homeowner is to go out and photograph that damage. Make sure you take pictures before you start cleaning up, especially if you have any type of flooding. Flooding only lasts temporary, so it's, it's very important to get those high water marks, flood marks on your homes, and then take those pictures very, very quickly. Guthrie's not the only one worried about flooding. The governor says flash floods are a distinct possibility. Much of north and central Florida have experienced above normal rainfall over the past two weeks, which will increase the likelihood of flash flooding conditions with the anticipated heavy rain. And I think that that's important, whether it's a hurricane, a strong tropical storm, those winds are what they are. They obviously have impact, but you're going to see a lot of rain dumped, particularly on the northern part of the state that is already saturated right now. So those conditions, even under normal circumstances, could be present. Now, the interaction of the, the wet ground with even more rain, uh, you will see flash flooding conditions uh, in man many parts of Florida as this thing moves through. State disaster teams spent Tuesday gearing up and watching the radar. Emergency Management Director Guthrie says local managers are also ready to respond. I had uh, personal phone calls with each and every county EM director that are, are, that are underneath a watch or a warning and asked them if there was any needs that they had. Only a handful of counties actually uh, requested some stuff from a truckload of water to a handful of personnel to help augment their very small programs. So uh, again, there were no unmet needs with the exception of about three counties that needed, like I said, anything from water to personnel. And Guthrie says the National Guard is standing by just in case. As a part of uh, the governor's uh, initial roll-up, we did call up about 200 Florida National Guardsmen, maybe about 250. But uh, we do have them on standby, ready to go. The majority of them are at our logistical staging center down in Orlando, helping us push uh, commodities out of that uh, warehouse. Before Elsa hit, the governor expanded the state of emergency declaration to include several more counties, including Baker, Bradford, Clay, Duval, Nassau, Putnam, and Union counties. Another cha-ching moment for the state of Florida. May's general revenue collections beat the estimate by $574 million. That's 18% higher than expected. Most of the increase came from a resurgence of sales tax collections. Now, this is the 10th consecutive month where tax collections came in over the estimate as Florida continues to recover from the economic fallout of COVID-19. They lost the first round, but the feds are not giving up in the fight with Governor DeSantis over cruise ships. Last month, a federal judge decided the CDC overstepped its legal authority by locking down ships to try to prevent the spread of COVID-19. But attorneys for the Justice Department have filed notice that they will appeal that decision to the 11th Circuit. The motion filed by the Justice Department also takes aim at the new state law pushed by the governor that bans what are known as COVID-19 vaccine passports. Under that new Florida law, businesses, including cruise ships, cannot require customers to show proof of vaccination. When schools shut down last year for the pandemic, the people who run the school nutrition programs had to find new ways to keep feeding kids. State Agriculture Commissioner Nikki Freed says they found ways to pick up the slack, but school districts around the state still ended up losing $260 million in federal funding because of the crisis. Freed asked the governor for help because he controlled the distribution of COVID bucks under the CARES bill, but he never responded, so she turned to Washington for help. The Department of Agriculture funds $1.3 billion every single year for our lunch and breakfast programs. That's 309 million meals, 3 million of our children. And unfortunately, during COVID, we saw this community and these children being hit even harder. And our schools losing significant money with schools being closed. 
$262 million of nutrition reimbursement losses from 2020. Let me explain why that, that happens. When our schools closed and while we were able to, from the department, work with incredible leaders all across the state to uplift all of our summer break spots, but we know that a lot of children still go into the in cafeterias they go with their friends, they order lunches, or they may order an extra bag of chips or an extra piece of fruit or an extra water. All that money adds up. And that is the losses that we saw last year, $262 million. And I'd asked the governor on numerous occasions to please use CARES dollars specifically for these reimbursements into these schools. Because we knew that coming back into this academic year, that the schools would have to make some really tough choices, mm -hmm. keeping their personnel, cutting back on the frequency of the food and unfortunately cutting back on the actual types of food that was going to be given to a lot of our kids and we did not want that happening. Other governors in other states like California gave $112 million from their CARES dollars, North Carolina $75 million, Kentucky $30 million. But unfortunately here in the state of Florida that didn't happen. So we went directly to the source of more money, the USDA. And so we'd ask the USDA to step in and to help get some of this money down to our school nutrition programs to make sure that our children were not going to go hungry and making sure that the same level of standards and the same nutritional values are still going to be provided in our schools. And so we are here to announce that we are providing $93 million to our Florida schools for pandemic loss reimbursement. Uh, and this is coming from the federal government. Uh, so we are so thankful to Congress and to uh, President Biden for stepping up for our and listening to our call for asking for more money to come down to our school nutrition programs. $93 million is only about a third of what they lost due to COVID. But Martina Brower with the Florida School Nutrition Program says they'll make it work. I'd like to take this opportunity to thank and praise the school nutrition professionals throughout Florida who basically reinvented the school lunch when this massive public health crisis happened. They figured out new menus, they figured out how to repackage, distribute, and then went face-to-face -face out into their parking lots and through, with the help of bus drivers and custodians continued to feed Florida's children. Then they had to reinvent it over and over again every time the federal regulations changed. So we're very proud of our accomplishment and we're very, very excited about seeing kids face to face in the classroom and continuing to feed them healthy food, breakfast and lunch. Cindy Huddleston is a senior analyst for the Florida Policy Institute, and she says the school nutrition programs are one of the best ways to deal with Florida's epidemic of food insecurity, the lack of reliable access to affordable and nutritious food. Food insecurity continues to wreak havoc on kids. In the latest available census data, 13% of adults with children in Florida report that their kids weren't eating enough because of lack of money to buy food. Um, and that's a much higher figure than was um, than just before the pandemic. 15% of renters say that they're not caught up on rent, and 27% report that they're having trouble paying for their households just normal everyday living expenses. This raises serious concerns about the pandemic's consequences um, in the short and long term on the health and development of children, even short periods of food insecurity pose long-term risks for children. Study after study links food insecurity among children with a reduced intake of key nutrients, and in turn, physical and mental health problems 
um, behavioral issues, aggression, anxiety, attention deficit disorders, all of which can and do lower test scores, the likelihood of graduating from high school, and even how much children earn as adults. Commissioner Freed says there are more than 3 million Floridians who can be described as food insecure, and a third of them are kids. We know that one million of our children are food insecure here in the state of Florida. That is in 2021 in a state like Florida, the third largest in the nation. It is embarrassing that we've got one million of our kids that don't know where their next meal comes from. 71% of school meals and free reduced, and uh, meals that are free and reduced, and they cannot afford interruption. Because they have interruption in getting these meals, that means they don't eat. This isn't something that they're going home and having a fresh cooked meal at night. So many of our children, this is the only meal that they get a day is at their schools. So we have to do everything possible to make sure that our children are getting fed and getting fed nutritional meals. And so we need the legislature to continue making feeding kids a priority and feeding their families a priority in our state. Because it's not just about the children, it's also about the adults. Because how can we have an effective and efficient workforce if those family members are more concerned about how to get meals onto the kids' plates at the end of the day? They're not being productive in the workforce, which of course adds to obesity and other health care concerns, which has a huge impact on our health care system. This is, has to be a community involvement solution. All hands on deck. The first checks from this $93 million worth of federal food aid have already been distributed to local school systems. Your calendar of events? Well, today is the final day of Freedom Week. That's a sales tax holiday that lets you avoid paying taxes on tickets for concerts, sporting events, movies, cultural events, and entrance to museums and state parks. There's also a sales tax exemption for outdoor equipment like tents, grills, bicycles, kayaks, and fishing gear. At 1 this afternoon, State Representative Kevin Chambliss will host a roundtable discussion on community violence and legislation to deal with it. The two-hour session takes place live in Homestead or virtually on Zoom. And at 3 in Coral Springs, Agriculture Commissioner Nikki Freed and State Representative Dan Daly hold a press conference with Broward County officials where they will call on the state Supreme Court to hear a legal challenge to Florida's firearm preemption law. A Florida man who makes his living in the ring is busted for DUI. Again, professional wrestling star Jimmy Uso was pulled over in Pensacola for running a red light while doing 50 in a 35 zone. Police say they smelled booze, so they asked him to submit to a field sobriety test, and he failed in spectacular fashion. The arrest report says his blood alcohol level was more than twice the legal limit. It's the second time in two years he's been accused of drunk driving. He was booked for DUI in Pensacola back in 2019, but the jury refused to convict. Finally today, a Florida man is behind bars after being accused of stabbing a Home Depot employee with a screwdriver, and so much more. Police in West Melbourne say Randall Curse started a cross-county crime spree by stealing two carts full of merchandise from a Walmart and punching an employee who confronted him. Then he drove to a nearby Home Depot, where police say he punched a 74-year-old woman working as a cashier and then stabbed another associate with a screwdriver. And when police responded to the hardware store, they say Curse had moved on to a Best Buy, where he was accused of stealing electronics. That's it for today's episode of Sunrise. I'm Rick Flagg in Tallahassee, inviting you to join us again tomorrow as we plumb the depths of Florida politics. 